Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. We appreciate you listening to Bible Crossfire every week at this same time. Um, as the announcer says, we allow you to call in, get your two cents worth in, question, comment, any Bible topic is fair game. The only rule is that the Bible, God's Word, decides the answer to any question. It decides what is correct about any particular issue. The Bible is our authority. Jesus said in John seventeen seventeen, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So God's word, the Bible, defines for us what the truth is. And only the truth will set us free from sin. John eight thirty two. So that's what we try to do here. That's our goal. Doesn't mean we're perfect. So if you call in and make a point from the Bible that proves us wrong, you'll be our best friend because we're intent on believing and practicing exactly what the Bible says because God is the authority. And by extension, His Word is the authority because the Bible is where He tells us how to please Him, how he wants, what He wants us to do to please Him. If you have a Bible question or comment, as the announcer said, the number to call is 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. If you have a Bible question or comment. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about how that we have to be careful not to be a partaker in other men's sins. 1 Timothy 5.22 says, Neither be partaker of other men's sins. Uh, a verse we read quite frequently on this program, 2 John verses 9-11, through 11, says, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. Now, this verse states clearly what many in the religious world don't want to believe, that you have to abide in the doctrine, the teaching of Christ, to have God to be saved. Most preachers want to say, no, it's not necessary to abide in the teaching of Christ. All you got to do is believe in Christ. It's not so important that you abide in his teaching. Well, that really doesn't make any sense. If you really believe Jesus is the Son of God, that would imply he's your authority, the ultimate authority. Therefore, you ought to believe everything that he says. Practice and believe and and follow everything that he says. And that's what this verse is saying. You have to abide in the doctrine, the teaching of Christ, to have God to be saved. But I want to focus in on verses 10 and 11. It says, If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed. For he that biddeth him God's speed is partaker of his evil deeds. Now verse 9 is saying that I need to abide in the teaching of Christ. Verse 10 and 11 is saying, Suppose somebody else is not abiding in the teaching of Christ. What am I to do? It says, Well, don't. Bid them Godspeed. Don't help them in their sin or encourage them in their sin. Because if you do, you become a partaker in their evil deeds. And that's what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. Being a partaker in other people's sins. We looked at six or eight passages that taught the same thing as what we just read in Second John verses 10 and 11. But I thought we would continue that discussion this evening by talking about some examples or applications of not committing a particular sin yourself, but being an accomplice to it, partaking in somebody else's sin. And again, by the way, if you have a Bible question or comment, call us at 877-655-6755. For example, Ephesians 4.28 says, Let him that stole steal no more. Other passages in the Bible teach that it's wrong to steal. Suppose that I don't, technically, I don't steal, but I help somebody else steal. For example, a man who, who's a driver of the getaway car in a bank robbery. Three men go in with guns, rob a bank, 
The other man doesn't do anything but drive the car. And they run out. He drives them away. Uh, when they catch those four men, how many will they charge with armed robbery? We all know four. That man, though, technically, he, well, he didn't touch a gun, didn't have a, a weapon, didn't go into the bank. Technically, he didn't do the stealing, but he did, didn't he? Because he's what we call an accomplice to the crime. He helped them commit the crime. And so he's going to be charged, charged with armed robbery also. And that's what we're talking about here tonight. It's the same thing spiritually. When you somebody's not teaching, when they're teaching false doctrine, or they're not living right, and you go along with that, you bid them Godspeed in that. Second John verse eleven says that you become a partaker in their evil deeds. Well, how about another obvious example? In First Corinthians chapter six, we have a list of sins. Uh, those that commit these sins will not inherit the kingdom of God. Of course, they can repent and get forgiveness, but we're talking about people who are not repenting. They're staying in it. One of these sins is fornication. Another is adultery. We know that's wrong. Fornicators and adulterers, they will not inherit the kingdom of God, according to 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10. But what about, suppose you just gave a ride to someone who was going to meet up with a prostitute. I'm not talking about you didn't know, but you knew, and you tried to help him out. And you, you didn't commit adultery yourself. You just gave somebody a ride and they to meet up with a prostitute. Well, of course, we can all see that would be wrong because you, though you didn't commit fornication yourself, you would have been helping somebody else commit fornication. Therefore, you would become a partaker in their evil deeds. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Or what about uh, the, the idea of homosexuality? In this same passage... 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10 gives a list of sins, and they which commit such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. In the New King James Version, we read in this list, homosexuals and sodomites. We all understand here that being a homosexual, that's a sin. But what about if we're not a homosexual, but we become a member, a participating member of a homosexual congregation? I think we could all see that's not the right thing to do. Even though you're not committing the sin yourself, by becoming a participating member of that congregation, you're in effect telling them that their lifestyle is okay and you become a partaker in their evil deeds. Matthew from Texas, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hey, uh, hey Patrick. Uh, what I would say that's hearing you say at the beginning of your radio broadcast, when you were talking about going into a bank and robbing robbing it and you to partake in that because like the Bible tells us you the the passage that you that read I forget where you, it, it, uh, I forget where you read before I called was it Ephesians 4 verse 28 what were you reading there yeah, Ephesians 4.28 says, Let him that stole steal no more. We were establishing, Matthew, and thank you for your call, that it's wrong to steal. But then also from these other passages that tell us not to be a partaker in other people's sins, I just thought we'd use this obvious example that everybody can see, that the, quote, the getaway car driver and a bank robber, he's, he's an accomplice to the crime. He's a partaker in the crime, even though technically he didn't go into the bank with a gun, but still he helped the other people commit the sin, and we all can see that. And so if we can all see that, then I thought we could all see some of these other things, Matthew, that we're going to talk about, okay? Okay, I'll, I'll hang up and you can 
take out the couch. Thank you for clearing that that passage of scripture for me. That's all Thank I you. wanted to know. Thank you for well, your call, that, Matthew. Thank no problem. Talk to you later. Bye. And so if you would like to uh, ask a question on the air or make a Bible comment on the air, just give us a call at 877-655-6755. The lines are wide open. A passage that we read quite frequently on this program, sometimes it's I bring it up, but many times it's because people want to ask about divorce and remarriage because so many believers are involved in second or third marriages that are in violation of this passage, Matthew 19.9, where Jesus says, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her, which is put away, doth commit adultery. It's clear, now this may be easier said than done, but it's clear that Jesus is saying that if I were to divorce my wife, Carol, for any reason other than fornication, and marry another, say Betty, that I, that second marriage with uh, Betty is adultery. And of course, if it, that's an adulterous marriage, if I want to repent of that and get forgiveness for it, I'd have to terminate that marriage. Just like if two men were married in a gay marriage and they want to repent of it and get forgiveness, they're going to have to get out of that marriage. They can't just say, I'm sorry, and stay in a gay marriage. And we can't say that we're sorry and stay in an adulterous marriage because every time you sleep with that woman who's not supposed to be your wife, you're committing adultery with her. Repentance demands termination of the sin, terminating the marriage. Yet we have plenty of people. Statistics say most congregations are made up of 20, 30% of the congregation are in second or third marriages that violate Matthew 19, 9. They're living in adultery. Now, suppose your marriage is not adulterous, but you worship with a congregation that allows these divorce and remarriages. Perhaps like it's a don't ask, don't tell policy. They have all these people, 20 to 30 percent, that are in these second or third marriages, and the congregation does nothing about it, does not try to demand their repentance to be considered members of the congregation. You're in effect, if you are a member of that congregation and you don't speak out against it, you are in effect going along with that. You become a partaker in their evil deeds. Do you see that? Even though you're not committing the sin yourself, because you go along with the sin based upon these passages we read, uh, like from... Second John verses nine and eleven and First Timothy five twenty two, you become a partaker in their evil deeds. Mark from Utah, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, sir. Hi. Um, I'm, my question is, um, I, I'm stumped on the um, the river of living water. I figure it's the word that flows from God's throne in Revelations, and um, I'm trying to figure out uh, the fruit, the fruit, you know, the size of the river that we'll partake of. I figure that's the fruits of that water, the Word of God, and I'm trying to figure out where that, that what the list of the fruits would be. Well, where are you talking about in the book of Revelation? I know in John chapter 4 it talks about living water. Where are you talking about in the book of Revelation? Yeah, in, in the book of Revelation uh, where it says, um, it's, in the, it's probably in the last two, th- two or three chapters. I, I don't know, I can't specify because I, I don't have my Bible in front of me. I'm a trucker. You know, in Revelation chapter 20, Verse 14, uh, let me turn there. Revelation chapter 22, verse 14, it says, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. I don't think there's any doubt that this is talking about the gates of the city of heaven because you have the tree of life there. And maybe that's what you're referring to, the, the water. 
the tree of life. You know, in the Garden of Eden, they had the tree of life. And as long as Adam and Eve could partake of that tree of life, Mark, they could live physically forever. But now well, we're talking the, about the, the tree of life. One I'm thinking of is where, the where it says um, 12 kinds of fruits in, on both sides of the river that flows from God's throne, which I figure is, figure is the word of God flowing from his throne. Here, that, we're talking that, about, here we're talking about the tree of life that in Revelation twenty two fourteen, and as long as a person can partake of this tree of life, he will live spiritually forever. But who has the right to this tree of life and enter into the gates of the city of heaven? It says, blessed are they that do his commandments, which implies that if we don't obey his commandments... We won't enter into heaven and have a, part be, have a right to the tree of life so that we won't live eternally with God forever unless we do His commandments. That's right there in Revelation twenty two fourteen. Many preachers will say you don't have to do His commandments to, be, to go to heaven, but this says, Blessed are they that do His commandments, that they may have a right to the tree of life and enter into the gates of the city. Obviously, the gates, the city of heaven. Shelba from Alabama, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Uh, yes, in the in in Mark, I believe it's chapter sixteen. I'm, I'm not sure, but anyway, it's the verse where it's talking about speaking in tongues, picking up serpents, drinking poison, but not dying. Was, was Jesus saying that to just disciples? Does that have any relevance for us? And if so, what does it mean? That was, you know, I, I I don't understand why that verse is in there, or what it, what it's trying to say to us. Well, first of all, for example. In verse 18, it says, they shall take up serpents. I think we can learn from Acts 28, where Paul was bitten by a poisonous snake, but he didn't die. Uh, probably miraculous. God protected him miraculously. That we're not talking about what the, the snake handlers in Tennessee do, picking up snakes on purpose. Acts 28 would show us that it's talking about if you're accidentally bitten by a snake back then, that you wouldn't die. God would protect you miraculously. But... Shelba, this is a, 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 a whole subject on its own. The Bible talks about them speaking in tongues and so forth, but in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, Prophecy shall fail, tongues shall cease. And it tells contextually when they would cease. And I don't have time enough. I've only got about 12 minutes left. I don't have time enough to do it today, tonight. But the context shows that the, these miraculous gifts would cease when that which is perfect has come, which is the perfect New Testament revelation, the complete New Testament revelation. So what it's saying in 1 Corinthians 13, Shelba, is that the prophecy in tongues and these other miraculous gifts were given because the New Testament wasn't written yet. How were the Christians supposed to know how to live according to New Testament law when they didn't have the New Testament yet? Well, God miraculously gave them prophecy and tongues, and even the, the healing was done to confirm the word to reveal the New Testament law in parts and confirm that New Testament law until you could get the whole New Testament uh, revealed, 27 books, all written down and put in one place and confirmed, and then there wouldn't be any need for the prophecy and the tongues and so forth to reveal New Testament law in parts because you'd have the whole thing. Do you see what I'm saying, Shelba? I do. So you're saying that later in... Back to Romans, then it comes back around. Well, that been fulfilled. We don't do that. Yeah, they spoke in tongues back then, but we don't speak them in today because we have something better. Instead of getting the New Testament revelation in parts through 
tongues and prophecy, we have the whole thing, the whole 27 books. So now when somebody preaches, we don't need them to do a miracle to confirm what they're preaching is the truth. We can just compare what they're saying with the Bible and determine if they're the truth because we have the whole New Testament revelation. And, and Shelba, what I've got to offer you, I could, if you uh, maybe could send me your email address and then maybe I could call you after the program and get your email address or anybody else, I would like to send you some material on that that goes through 1 Corinthians 13 and other passages and proves that the tongues and the prophecy and things like that would cease when the New Testament was completely revealed and put in one place. I'd like to send that to you via email free of charge. Would you like me to do that? Uh, well, no, I, I'll look all that up myself, but you're saying it's, that that's in Corinthians is where I would find some of this that yeah. would say, read, hey, we don't do right. that anymore. For, read 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through the end of the chapter, okay? Okay, all right, thank you very much. Thank you for your call, Shelba. Uh-huh, bye. Bye. So we can. We were talking about becoming a partaker in other people's sins. You know, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, talks about getting drunk and doing things that are lascivious, which like looking at pornography. Well, what if I, I could commit those sins, looking at pornography, and violate Galatians 5, 19, lasciviousness, or verse 20, getting drunk, I could get drunk and violate those. But what if I didn't do that, but I invested, like in the stock market, invested in a company like Playboy magazine, just invested in the company so I could make a profit on that, or Coors beer. So I would be profiting off the fact that people are sinning, looking at pornography and getting drunk. You see, even though I'm not committing the sin myself, technically, I would become a partaker in other people's evil deeds because I would be profiting off of a company by investing in the stock market in those companies, in a company like Coors Beer or Playboy Magazine. I'm not committing the sin myself, but I become a partaker in their evil deeds, according to Second John, verses 10 and 11, for example. I hope you see the point. And from Minnesota, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Well, I was just wondering... My husband and I were trying to find a church, but what if we joined a church that allowed a marriage that was not sacred? How would we get rid of that sin? Well, what I would do if the, if the congregation I was part of just allowed people who were divorced and remarried in adulterous marriages to be considered faithful members there, then I would try to get the congregation to change on that. And if I couldn't get them to change, then I would start looking for a congregation that didn't allow that. You know what I'm saying? That was trying to faithfully follow God's Word. And by doing okay. that, by going through that method, then I wouldn't become a partaker in their evil deeds. You follow me, Ann? Okay. So then my husband and I would be safe. Yeah. But what I would recommend is you look around for a congregation that's going to stand for God's Word, stand for the truth on issues like divorce and remarriage and gay marriage and women preachers and baptism and once saved, always saved. Some of these things that we talk about on this program. And we appreciate your call. Maybe I can call you later and we can talk about this further off offline, okay? Okay. Thank you for your call, Ann. Thank you. Larry from Iowa, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yeah, thank you for taking my call. Uh, my comment, I have two of them, really. The 
when you opened about the the guy driving the you know the getaway car for the bank robber and well i i wanted to kind of add to that uh uh that that guy driving the car he could have run he could have got out and run and and made up his mind he wasn't going to be a part of that yes he could and see yes he could and and there's a there's a way out a lot of times of of not only that but sin and the bible addresses that and i i just would like people to think about this you know it, it just takes a split second to make a decision you know what i'm saying and yes, uh does. something that could, it'll affect you the rest of your life okay one other thing before i go in a hurry i know you need to anyway what, what i want to want to say I, I, uh, before I was saved 30 years ago, I've been a truck driver all my life. Before I was saved, I was hauling beer and a whiskey and everything else, transporting it all the United States, wine. When I, when I found the Lord and realized what this stuff does to people, I instantly did not haul anymore. And it paid good money. I could have kept it up. But I realized that I had to make a stand. You know, if, if, if people don't, and they keep on doing what they were doing, and they say they're a Christian, I don't believe that's going to work in God's kingdom. Anyway, I'll let you go, and I appreciate your program. Larry, I appreciate your point. You're making a very good point, and I appreciate your stand for the truth. You weren't actually drinking the stuff yourself, but you realized that by hauling the liquor and the beer, you were helping others to commit the sin of drunkenness, and therefore you would become a partaker in their evil deeds. So you quit doing it, even though it hurts you financially. Right, Larry? Absolutely, yep. I, I appreciate you being willing to do that. Thanks for the good call, Larry. You know, Larry said you don't have to commit these sins. There's always a way out. That's exactly what 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13 says. It says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you or allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So every temptation we face, other people have had to face it before. God's not going to be allow us to be tempted above what we're able to bear. And he's also always going to make a way of escape. There's always a way to avoid the sin. Like Larry said, that person at the last moment could have just got up and run and not helped that bank robber. He could have got up and run and not been a partaker in their evil deeds. Appreciate that call. A lot of good points were made. If you have a Bible question or comment... We have about three more minutes left, I think. Give us a call at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. Last week we were talking about believing a lie. What if we believe a lie? We talked about this quite a bit. I mean, Second John, Second Thessalonians 2, 10-12 says, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved, and for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be condemned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So if we believe a lie, we're going to be condemned according to that passage. Well, we talked about last week of some things that are lies religiously that people believe. One we didn't get to is this idea of once saved, always saved, or that a Christian can't fall from grace. That's a lie. Don't believe it. It will cause you to be condemned if you believe a lie. Galatians 5.4 says, Christ is become of no effect unto you, 
whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. Now, a lot of churches, like the Baptist church, the Presbyterian church, say you can't fall from grace. But this verse says these people had fallen from grace. How could they do something? How could Paul, by inspiration of God, say they did something that's impossible to happen? He couldn't. And then what other lie? The, the, the lie is that God doesn't care how we worship Him. But John 4.24 says God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So it is important how we worship Him. We just can't come together and worship Him any old way we like. We need to consult the New Testament, find out how God wants us to worship Him, and do it that way. Worship Him in spirit and in truth, according to God's Word and with the right attitude. We appreciate you listening to the program tonight. A lot of good calls. I want you to listen every week at this same time. Now, I offer a free one-hour phone Bible study. I would be glad to have a Bible study with you free of charge for one hour, anytime that's convenient for you. If you're interested in that, call or text me at 256-682-9753. Free one-hour phone Bible study at your convenience. Call or text 256-682-9753.